Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. We're citizens of heaven, Philippians 3, 20 says. We are under the righteous rule of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, and his law to us is love your neighbor. So we always have to remember that when we follow the ways of the world, we will violate the law of love. And so many of us are doing that. The world dictates how we think and feel, how we treat people, how we look at groups of people. That's the world system. We've been redeemed from that. We can't allow the fallen ethics of the world to govern our lives. We're not here to conform to the world. We're here to change the world with the gospel of Jesus. We're, we're in a higher kingdom. We're living by a higher ethic. The world is a world of division. The church is a place of unity. You've heard me teach you on many occasions. That when you celebrate diversity, you will create division. It's the same word. When you look at people as fundamentally different from you, you've now altered your view of humanity. We are all sons and daughters of God. Trace your DNA. You're heading back to the Garden of Eden. I'm not from East Point. I'm not from Europe. I'm not from the South. I'm not from Africa. I'm not from Asia. I'm from the Garden of Eden. I got the same parents you have. And when we don't see that about humanity, then we discriminate. And when we discriminate, somebody always wins and somebody always loses. No, we're part of a royal kingdom with a royal law that higher than any law ever given. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is also the law of liberty. So when we love, now we are going to begin to experience true liberty. That's why Jesus came, isn't it? To proclaim liberty for the captives. Sin makes us all prisoners. The devil wants to keep us all in spiritual slavery. Paul describes it in Romans 6. Jesus came to set us free. And when we live in love, we live in liberty. See, when we're angry at each other, or we hate one another, or we discriminate, and we fight, now we're in bondage. We're in bondage to our fallen emotions. But when we love, we are free. So the law of love is the law that brings freedom. You want to be free tonight? I do. You want freedom in your home? You want freedom in your marriage? Love is the price of freedom. There's personal freedom. When we love one another, we set ourselves free from anger. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, my heart is too glad and too great to be the enemy of any man. When you love, you don't have time for resentment. It's just not worth it. Resentment is a chain around our neck. Unforgiveness is a prison we put ourselves in. We want to get even. We want them to get what's coming to them. We're in bondage. We're in slavery to our anger. But when we love one another, we live in liberty. Amen. I'd rather be free from anger than mad, wouldn't you? Yes, sir. I don't like it when I'm mad. I want to get over that quick. 
You can't sleep at night. You obsess about what was done against you. Robs you of your peace. When you love, you live in liberty. And we experience freedom in our relationships because we stop controlling people. And we allow them to be free and independent. We stop demanding things of them. Well, I demand an apology. You're in bondage to your anger when you say something like that. Why do you need an apology to forgive somebody? Forgiveness is a commandment of Jesus. You and I are commanded to forgive. Doesn't matter what they do. You ever thought about that? When Jesus prayed from the cross, from the crucifix, Father, forgive them. He didn't demand an apology before he prayed it. He just forgave us because he loves us. Forgiveness on the cross came before repentance. That's the law of love. What a pathway to liberty. Just give God the resentment. Give God the anger. Turn them over to the Lord. Let the Lord deal with them. The law of love is the law of liberty. So James here goes on to tell us when he writes about this royal law, how to keep it. So what can we do to keep this royal law of love? How do we put it into practice? A law is a rule or principle that when obeyed yields certain results. So how do we obey this law? Well, he says to us, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. What is that law? The law of love. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment, James 2, 12 and 13. That last statement is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So speak to people and about people and act toward people as those who are going to be judged by the law of love. Think about that. That's the law we're being held accountable to. Because he says, if you don't love and you're not merciful and kind, then you're going to put yourself under that same judgment. That's That's a hard truth for us to accept, the law of sowing and reaping. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, Judge not, and you will not be judged. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you again. I don't want God to judge me. Neither do you. I don't want God to pick apart every little flaw of my life 24-7. I don't want the Lord to treat me like that. So the best way to avoid that is to be merciful. As he is merciful. You see, I'm mad. We'll be like God. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, God is angry for a moment. So be godly with your anger. You can get angry for a moment. And I don't blame him. When you look at the way we act, I'm surprised he's not mad for longer than a moment. So he gets mad for a moment. But the 100th Psalm says his mercy endures forever. Compare that. His anger lasts a moment, but his mercy endures forever. James says, be merciful like God is merciful, and you'll reap the benefits of mercy. The mercy and the grace of God will overflow in our lives when we treat others with mercy and grace. That's the law of love, and that's how you practice it. Treat other people the way you want God to treat you. Two actions here. Speak and act. 
Ephesians 4 and 15, Paul says, speaking the truth in love. And some people completely misappropriate that scripture. They feel that they can say anything to you, any harsh thing they want to say, as long as they say, well, I love you. Well, that's a nice way of showing it. You see, when we say something and act a different way, no one believes us. Speaking the truth in love, the fact of the matter is, if we love from our hearts, it will revolutionize the way that we speak to people and about people. This law of love is also the law of faith. There's a connection between our faith in God and the love. This is amazing when Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5 and 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I would have thought he said, well, faith expressing itself through prayer because we pray the prayer of faith, and that's an expression of faith. But here we find an interesting truth. When you really trust Christ and you trust God with your life, it expresses itself through love. The only thing that counts, he was writing here about circumcision. That was an ancient rite of the Jewish community. God gave it to Abraham, really, as a way of physically separating the males from many of the pagan worshipers in Canaan. It was just an outward sign. It was, they were supposed to realize, hey, we're different. We're holy. We're set apart. We're not supposed to be conforming to the idol worship. That's all it was. And then everybody took it and had this spiritual meaning, like there was some kind of spiritual significance to circumcision. So when the gospel was going forth and people are getting saved from all these different cultures, these legalistic Pharisees who are now Christians, you know, they were Christians, but they were legalistic. They wanted everybody to conform to their customs. But Paul says the only thing that counts here is faith in Jesus that expresses itself through love. What good is it if I believe in Jesus but don't love you? What good is a religion like that? Now, what benefit is a mean religion, really? Religion makes people mean. But true religion, say we don't have a religion. Christianity is a religion. It's called a religion. In James, the first chapter, verse 26, true religion, he says, and undefiled before God is to visit the orphan, the widows, and their distress, and to keep oneself from being contaminated by the world. What good is a religion that's mean? And what good is a Christianity that doesn't look like Christ? What kind of a Christianity is that, that we have manufactured by rituals and our rules and our laws? It's not Christian if it doesn't look like Jesus. It may be called Christian, but a Christian is a person who's being made in the likeness of Jesus. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I'm a person of great faith, right? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom the mysteries, and though I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to hardship, but have not love, I gain nothing. The only thing that counts is faith 
expressing itself through love. And James goes on to remind us that faith without works is dead. James 2, 17, and that's where he's writing about the royal law. And he's not talking about going to church, although that's very important. He's not talking about going to a Bible study. That's all important. He's talking about the works of love for your neighbor. Faith without works of love for your neighbor is dead, he says. It's lifeless. It's useless. It's pointless. So this law of love is the law of faith. It is the evidence of faith. It is also the law of sacrifice. So love is an attitude toward people and toward God. It's an articulation. We have to learn to say, I love you. We have to verbally express love. And that means not expressing things that are contrary to love. And love is an action. So the Bible says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Notice that phrase. He laid down his life for us. The sinless son of God laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear friends, let us not love with words or in tongue, but with actions and in truth. First John 3, 16 and 17. Jesus laid down his life for us. Amen. Ephesians 5 and 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Galatians 2 and 20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I'm level in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is the law of sacrifice. True love cost us but it brings great rewards. It is the law of evidence. Love is the conclusive evidence of our faith in Jesus. The Bible tells us here in 1 John 4, verse 7, in verse 19 through 21, dear friends, let us love one another. That's my appeal to you tonight. Let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who Loves has been born of God. There's the evidence of the new birth. Everyone who loves has been born of God. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. Not very subtle, but true. In other words, he's deceived. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he's not seen. That's what I told you. Love your neighbor is a tangible love. Love for God is intangible. How do you measure it? He said, if you can't even love the people you see, how can you claim to love God that you can't even see him? And he, God has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And finally, it is the easiest law to keep. There are a lot of laws, but you know, the law of love is the easiest one to keep. Just be nice to people, help people. Don't complain. Don't criticize them and call it prophecy. <laughs> prophecy is supposed to help people, not hurt them. <laughs> it's easiest law to keep. I mean, it makes our faith so simple. Well, how can we love like that? Well, God gives us the Holy Spirit. When I'm teaching tonight, the language I'm using is not foreign to you because you're born again. It seems naturally that I would tell you we shouldn't 
attack each other and criticize each other, discriminate. You think, well, I, I agree with that. If I go tell the world that, they'll think, well, that's impossible. But if you're born again tonight, you have a new heart. You understand it. It's your natural language because that's what you want to do is I want to love. God gives us the Holy Spirit who empowers us to love as he loves. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us, Romans 5 and 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, Galatians 5 and 22. And when we feel angry and we feel hurt, we feel overwhelmed by these things, we've been treated unfairly, what should we do? We just say, Lord, fill me right now. Baptize me once again. Fill my heart with the love of God to drive out all of these negative emotions I have. Just pause and say, Lord, I give you my hurt, my anger, my resentment. And experience a baptism of love because he's so full of love, the only thing that can come out is love. Anger comes out of an empty heart. Love comes out of a heart that is full. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is above all things a baptism in the power to love one another with a selfless, serving, and sacrificial love of Christ. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.